0: Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And
1: Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato
2: (laughs) in the morning. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the L.A. Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and L.A. Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter.
0: Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, May 21st, just hours after the L.A. Galaxy's one nothing victory, over the Montreal Impact. This is the first time uh, I think we have ever done a show within hours of a game being over, so we're glad uh, that we can bring you the the most complete, total reactionary response we can muster together, and to help me do that, of course, is the one, the only Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in there, buddy. It's been a busy day for both of us, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I hope it's not too reactionary. That kind of has a bad connotation. I don't like the way that sounds. I, I get that. I always
0: feel better after I've been able to sit and dissect the game for a couple days before I do podcasting. I always feel like I gain more insight after letting it marinate a little bit. Um, but maybe in in this particular case because of the wacky circumstances, because of the fact that the Galaxy finally got a road win or finally got a win, not just a road win, but a win, their first in uh, in four games, their four game losing streak snapped. Um Maybe it's okay that that we're doing it just hours after the uh, the final whistle there.
1: Well, yeah, you let the, those games marinate. You try writing a game story when the game's not even over yet. Talk about letting it marinate. I have to write game stories before the game the score's even in yet.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I started doing that in this game and realized very quickly that my uh, that my lead had tw- to twist around a little bit there as the LA Galaxy. I'll say it: highway robbery, steal one on the road against the Montreal Impact. Uh, I certainly Kevin would uh, would put this in the. In the realm of the Impact are a horrible team, and the Galaxy probably should have beaten them, even with a, uh, 11 players. But hey, you know, the Galaxy decided to make it a little more difficult and do it with 10 players. I mean, that's sort of my my overview of this game is the Galaxy stole three points. And you know what? They probably deserve to steal three points in, in some fashion right now.
1: Well, and now they're already up to 60 minutes. They've led for an entire hour uh, combined since their opener on May 4th. Or March 4th, rather. So they've led for 60 minutes since then, total, all games combined. That's not all that good, um, by the way. And beating this Montreal team, I mean, did did you see the celebration on the field after the game? It was like they'd won an MLS Cup. And this is a franchise that's won a few MLS Cups. And you kind of look at that, and I can't help but think how the mighty have fallen – well uh, You know, a game uh, they went on the road, granted, with 10 people, it, gets, it, it, it was a gutsy win, but a game they went on the road against one of the worst teams in the league, um, and they celebrate, you know, and they just squeak it out, too, one to nothing. 15 minutes away from a scoreless draw, and they get a goal, and they celebrate, you know, again, like it was an MLS Cup. By the way, I have a surprise for you. Ready? Yes, I'm I'm ready. Slatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, well, wait a minute. Can you say that again? Zlat- uh, I don't think so, <laughs> but I'll try. Zlatan Ibrahimovic.
0: Look, look, there it is. So, everybody who gives you crap for not being able to say Zlatan's last name, you've been working on it, you've been trying, you've been practicing.
1: Mrs. Panda's been schooling me on it.
0: Uh, I was gonna. It wouldn't surprise me. Your wife is way smarter than you, anyway. We all know that. Um, I'll I'll say this in in contradiction, or or at least pushing back on your, hey, they were celebrating like they won an MLS Cup. This is a team that feels like they've been hard done many times in the last couple of games. Granted, it's mostly been because of bad defense, but this is a team that needed this release valve. They needed to get a win. They needed it to be ugly. They needed to grind it out. However, it happens. I don't think they would have cared if the if if uh, referee. Uh, Ishmael Elfath would have rolled the ball into the net himself for the Galaxy. I think all they're really happy about is that they they got the three points, they broke the streak, they feel like maybe their luck has turned just a little bit, and they're going to disregard the fact that Montreal is a horrible, really bad team. I, I think I really feel like that's it. You let them have their fun. You let them celebrate. I don't care if they want to like you know drink champagne and and party on the charter on the way home because uh, as you uh, told me, Kevin, the LA Galaxy will charter back from Montreal, and I confirmed this with the Galaxy as well. Just not that I didn't trust you. It's just you know that way it makes me sound important if I can also confirm it. Uh, but they will charter a flight back from Montreal to Los Angeles because of the short week coming up, where the LA Galaxy, of course, will host uh, the San Jose Earthquakes coming up on Friday. So.
1: That's, well, yeah thing. Here, here's what happened with that they um, uh, took flight they flew Air Canada there uh, Saturday morning they got there late late Saturday night the flight was delayed it was surprised. by the way, there was a team that I can't remember what team it was now playing I think in Chicago did you see this over the weekend where uh, uh, they played the game in Chicago took the bus to the, to the airport uh, had traffic problems going to the stadium leaving the stadium going to the airport got there their flight was delayed three hours and finally canceled. And this was an MLS team traveling um, commercial. So after spending all that time at the airport, an extra three hours, probably five hours total, since they get there a little bit early, uh, then their flight was canceled and they had to come back. So that whatever team that was, and I can't remember which one it is, I'm sure it'll come to me. But there's there's two days of training essentially that they missed. But so the Galaxy flew. got there very late. Uh, Saturday night, train Sunday, played the game Monday. They are taking the charter back because uh, they were not sure that they would be able, and this is even with the flight schedules, not talking about delays or cancellations, we weren't totally sure they'd be able to get out uh, of Montreal in time. Uh, remember, they played the game at noon here, but that was 3 o'clock there. By the time it was over, it's 5, 5.30, get dressed, showered, everything, get to the airport, it's 8. They weren't sure that they'd be able to, to make a commercial flight, certainly a direct flight, back to L.A., so they decided to charter. Now, the reason that that's interesting is uh, teams are allowed four t- charter segments. That's not a charter flight. That's a charter segment. Right. So if you fly to Chicago and have a connection in in Denver, that's two segments. That's essentially half your charter flights. Now, this is an MLS rule. And the reason MLS does this is they don't want the wealthier teams or teams like Portland, which has a, uh, a sponsorship deal with Alaska Airlines or or uh, presumably uh, Delta has a sponsorship deal with Atlanta United. They don't want those teams using that those connections to get a bunch of free charter flights. So everyone is limited to the same type of travel. So each team has four charter flights a year, or four charter segments. And almost everybody saves that for the playoffs. Now, the Galaxy burned theirs at the end of the season because it was kind of a use it or lose it thing. The, the league pays for that. So they figured they'd just use them up, and they used them for the last couple of regular season games. A lot of teams do that when they're out of the playoff race, but um, you know other teams save it for the playoffs. But last thing I'll say on that is uh, some teams really get screwed by this because L.A. flies out of LAX, and and there's a lot of direct flights everywhere you want to go. L.A.F.C. same thing. In New York, you have New York Red Bulls, and and New York City, they have direct flights to just about anywhere else. Uh, you know anywhere they want to go. Vancouver, uh, on the other hand. The people in Vancouver tell me that they can, if they wanted to fly. I don't think they do fly to Seattle, but they could fly to Seattle, fly to Portland. Um, I guess maybe Salt Lake City, but that's about it. They have to connect almost everywhere they go. Which again, flying commercial, and we all know how commercial flying is these days, doubles the chance for a cancellation or a delay. And then when they get to fly in the playoffs, since it's segments, they use up all. They could use up all four segments on one out and back trip. Uh, so Vancouver really has it tough when it comes to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, they usually have one of the most difficult travel schedules. The LA Galaxy actually already ranked by MLS as having the second most difficult travel schedule uh, this season. So um, this this five-hour plus is about five hours, 10 minutes, five hours, 15 minutes, something like that. Uh, flight from LA to Montreal is one of the longest road trips in sort of the, uh, the continental United States slash Canada, uh, whenever anybody has to make that trip, it's a long, long flight. So the Galaxy able to do that. Uh, Kevin, the, the starting lineup, uh, no real surprises except that right back, uh, Emerick Clementa got his MLS and LA Galaxy debut uh, at right back, uh, finally answering all the questions of people who are saying why isn't the guy who they got to play right back, Emerick Clementa, playing right back, and, uh, and they did get him there. They, they got him there, they saw him there and I think everybody now understands perhaps why there was maybe a little hesitation uh, in, in playing him, not that he had a horrible night, but against not a very good team, he did have some struggles and you're going to see that from any guy who's making a step up from USL to, to Major League Soccer there, so I, I'm not overly surprised but with Romney at left back uh, Clementa slotted in at right back and overall Shelvick and Siani um, all, all there on the back line, you had Leggett and Kitchen in the midfield, which was a little different than Jonathan Dos Santos coming back and playing next to Perry Kitchen uh you had Sebastian Lejet coming back and playing next to Perry Kitchen and Jonathan Dos Santos being put in that playmaker spot that Giovanni Dos Santos has most recently taken up except that it's not really most recently because uh Gio hasn't played what the last two games now uh, maybe maybe more I can't even keep track of how many games he's missed but uh nonetheless whenever you go in there it's Kamar on the left hand side and Ibrahimovic up top Roman Alessandrini out on the right hand side so that was your lineup Kevin um not really any surprises. I was maybe, in my mind, in my opinion, I'm sort of getting sick of seeing uh, seeing Ola Kamara being put on the left wing, but it doesn't seem to be stopping him. Uh, he had three goals in three games coming into it, gets the only goal in this one, four games and four goals in four games, but we should also point out that the reason he got probably got the goal in a couple of these is he's always playing from the center. In fact, some of his quotes even sort of lead us to that, but I mean, that was the starting lineup. Was, that, was there anything surprising in the starting lineup that you saw, Kevin?
1: Not in the starting lineup, but after the starting lineup, there were a couple of things that were I found interesting. The captain's armband got passed around a lot. started with Slot time, which was interesting. Ashley Cole, as we know, uh, suspended a game for yellow card ac- accumulation. Although if you read any of the uh, reams, and, and I'm talking reams, I mean a lot of trees sacrificed themselves for MLS, but any of the reams of, of um, pregame information that came out of the LA Galaxy and from the league office both had Ashley Cole... Uh, not suspended, in fact, had a uh, him in the starting lineup uh, before the game. So Ashley Cole was not even in the city uh, in the country of Canada. So he did not play, did not start. But other than that, uh, the starting lineup did not surprise me. but so uh, so got the armband because right. Ashley Cole was not there. then he gets the red card comes out. Um, there was, looked like it was a little fight, at least uh, in the TV broadcast I was watching, a little bit of fight with Alessandrini and somebody else, and Alessandrini got the armband, put it on, played with the armband until the 64th minute, then he came out, the armband went to Ola Kamara, who scored the goal wearing the armband, and then he came out uh, near the end and gave the armband to Perry Kitchen, so a lot of people got to play cap. We had a lot of captains there today. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about the lineup, though, and again, not so much the starting lineup, is um, you know, you mentioned Ola's goal and and, and where Ola tends to play, and it, it doesn't matter where he is listed on the lineup sheet. He, he, as you said, tends to gravitate toward the center. He seemed to play, to me, I thought he played a lot better after Zlatan left. He just was free to go back to where he's comfortable being. Uh, he felt, uh, you know, he just seemed to be more comfortable where where he was. He didn't have to worry about Zlatan being in the way or deferring to him, which I think does happen a lot. Um, if one guy is told he's the target striker and the other guy is, is a forward, um, when they collide, just like in baseball, the center fielder gets any ball hit in the alley. And I think a lot of times Kamara wants to go for those balls and then realize Zlatan's supposed to be there and pulls up. I thought he felt much more comfortable, and obviously he was very effective after Zlatan came out.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, Ola Kamara, after the game on playing out wide and getting the winning goal, here's a quote from the uh, quote sheet. He says, I love scoring. It's the best feeling ever. Even when I'm playing on the wing, I'm trying to get in striker positions all the time. When Zlatan got the red card, I played on top, and I was able to get a match-running goal. It was a great feeling feeling for me. We really needed that win after four losses. We needed that feeling, that momentum in the team and I think we got that now and maybe that gives us some confidence going into the next games. Even when Ibra is in the game, he attracts a lot of attention so I'm able to run more freely. That gives me something different and sometimes a player you just have to take what you can get. Does that sound like a guy, Kevin, who who's really excited about playing on the wing or does it sound like a guy who's playing on the wing but's going to get in those striker positions any chance he could possibly get? <laughs>
1: yeah well, I mean, you that's what they got him to do. Um, by the way, yes. uh, it's it's like uh, you know you you sign a guy to play center back and then all of a sudden you ask him to be a striker or a goalkeeper or something he's not comfortable doing. that's what they got him to do. Um, I understand, you know, and you know, I don't know how I feel kind of about, about the way Ola has gone about this. Uh, on one hand, he's a striker, and if you're a striker, you are by definition, um, and I don't mean this in a pejorative sense, but you are, in defi- uh, by definition, somewhat selfish. That's what, how you get right. all those goals. And, of course, the epitome of this was was Robbie Keane. And he was very successful as a striker, but also was very selfish. We all remember when he tipped in the Christian Williamson goal that uh, he really didn't need to do, but got wound up getting credit for a goal that should have gone to somebody else. remember when he took the the uh, penalty kick at the end of the MLS Cup in David Beckham's last game, which showed that he absolutely, had absolutely... No sense for poetry or drama, but um, that's what made him good. And so you see Ola saying, "I don't want to be a winger. I want to play up front. That's where I'm supposed to be." And and, you know Mm -hmm. the the Galaxy are going to come back and say, "Well, that's where we have uh, Slotan. He's there. He's one of the greatest players of all time." Um, And Ola's kind of not backing down from that. Uh, He is a little bit. He's saying the right things. It's it's hard to quote him and say that he's he's disgruntled, but on the other hand, I think you can see that he very definitely feels like he. Uh, is a guy that should be playing up front and wants to be that target striker and now what is it four goals in four games right yes. so he's certainly pr- he's certainly making an argument
0: yeah I think in my uh, recap I said where would the LA Galaxy <laughs> be without Ola Kamara and right now they would be three points less um, and have four less goals in the last four games I mean Ola Kamara has really done everything uh, I'll say it now I think for the eighth podcast in a row the LA Galaxy don't deserve him right now um, the what he's been doing and the way he's been persevering despite the fact that I think they're playing him way out of position and I don't think Think they need to? I would have been happy uh, with this exact lineup if they just took Kamara and put him up above Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, I know there's people who disagree with that particular formation, but why would you not let Ola Kamara play from the center? He tries to play from the center almost every time. And you saw you saw the LA Galaxy. And let's talk about the Zlatan red cards so That way we can then get to the LA Galaxy, talking of, you know, getting to the um, how disciplined really they played in the second half and sort of give them the accolades for that. But I mean, you had. You had Zlatan Ibrahimović. Uh, This is what I saw in 41 minutes from Zlatan Ibrahimović. I saw a guy who was sort of struggling to get into the pace of the game. I saw a guy who was getting swarmed by three or four Montreal players every time he touched the ball, which you would think would leave somebody like Ola Kamara wide open, and they almost got him a couple times. Um, But I also saw a guy who was yelling and screaming at his teammates, uh, in, in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I saw Alessandrini doing the same thing, yelling and screaming at his teammates. I saw frustration rising and and coming to a head. I saw all the cussing that was being yelled and screamed at each other, you know, across. This is this is all the things that you know you saw in the first 41 minutes of this game, and then you get a uh, you get Michael Petrasso who goes Dak, and whether he does it intentionally or not, I'm sort of 50-50 in terms of that. I think he definitely knew what he was doing whenever he stepped backwards onto Zlatan. Uh, He did end up stepping on his foot twice in this, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic gives him a little slap on the the neck-slash-head area. Um, And as soon as you saw it, you knew it was a red card. It wasn't a question. If you get hands to the face in Major League Soccer, you know it's a red card. It's not even a heart. That one, this is the least controversial play or least controversial red card you'll probably ever get. It's just obvious, even though MLS sometimes does stupid things like not suspend or red card people who choke other players. uh, But hands to the face or any sort of violent conduct uh, towards the face certainly is going to get you a red card. And in Major League Soccer, it's such a point of emphasis. It's such an easy call um, that they're going to call every single time. That You know what? It's Zlatan's mistake. It was a huge blunder by him. He forgot that in Major League Soccer that they have uh, VAR. And quite honestly, he, he probably knew that he was gone as soon as he slapped him.
1: Well, I'm going to come to the, the the defense of my old friend Zlatan, or my new friend, I guess, ne- the guy whose name I can now pronounce. Yes. Here it is again. Yes. Ibrahimovic. There job. you go. Good job. My new, my new friend Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I'm going to come to his defense because he did get stepped on twice. Um, he's been pushed around a lot. And we saw that, I, I think it was last week in Dallas where on a corner kick, he was pushed around pretty well um guys are going after him and it Ziggy talked about this and I'll, I'll let you get to the quotes in a minute but Ziggy talked about this how you know big name players come from Europe and they get treated with a little bit of respect and and they earn that. this is not anything that that uh, you know the opposing and what I, by, I mean by both opposing players and officials. opposing players tend not to go after them and officials tend to give them a little bit extra leeway. And this is not something just in, in, in soccer. It, it's universal in sports. A great pitcher Clayton Kershaw's the home plate for Clayton Kershaw is a little wider than it's going to be uh, for somebody else. Uh, you know, for a rookie pitcher. Uh, Gretzky never, you you might have noticed, Wayne Gretzky never got in any fights because uh, players on opposing teams generally gave him a very wide berth. He was their paycheck. They knew that the NHL depended on Gretzky. You see the same thing, I think, with LeBron James. There have been some exceptions, but for the most part, the great players get a little bit more extra help from the officials and teammates or opponents tend to go a little bit easier on them. And that's happened in MLS. And Ziggy talked about how with Zlatan, it's just not happening and, and how he's surprised by that. But uh, again, Zlatan was stepped on twice. The official did not come to his aid. I think the, the slap, yeah, it, it was a red card. But I think the slap was more a reaction of get off me. You know, if you stepped on my foot, I'd probably put you know push back at you and I might wind up hitting you in the back of the head too. Uh, not so much accidentally, but just like get off my foot. What are you doing? So I, I think It wasn't premeditated. I think it was a natural reaction to the guy stomping on his foot. Zlatan hobbled off the field. Let's remember that. So he did appear to to be injured. So I I don't really fault him on this. I I think it would have been difficult for anybody to sit there and think, how do I respond to this guy stomping on my foot twice? I'm hurt now. Um, Oh, yeah, wait a minute. I can't hit him in the head. So that was interesting. Then the other part, Ziggy, and again, you're going to talk about the quotes. Ziggy makes the point of, The guy stomped on his foot. Zlatan reacted to that. Um, And obviously, the Montreal player committed to foul because he got a yellow card. So if you give him a yellow card for stomping on Zlatan's foot, why don't you give him a red card for stomping on it twice and actually injuring the player?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, the reactionary red cards are nothing. You know, the retaliatory red cards are nothing new. I mean, that happens all the time. They always catch the second guy. Uh, With VAR, you'd hope that'd clear it up a little bit. I mean... Here's the thing is that Zlatan could have gotten away with a ton of stuff in this particular uh place. If he pushes him off of him, it's not a red card. If he slaps him in the shoulder, it's not a red card. If he like falls down and rolls around because the guy, it's not any cards to him whatsoever. So there were a bunch of ways to do it. I get it. But in and certainly the some people have suggested that the height of the player certainly came into play. Uh Patrasso uh wasn't exactly the the same height as Latan, as Latan is taller than anybody. And so just the reactionary sort of reaching out is there let's go to uh here's siggy schmidt's quotes on uh on players trying to get under Zlatan's skin this is what you're referring to this is siggy schmidt speaking after the game he says a lot of times when you have big players in europe or even south america there's a little more respect for the big players and mls is a little more okay well i'm going to show you kind of attitude rather than a little of that respect i don't know exactly what happened out there so i can't really say but certainly people are going to challenge him listen i'll say this um, sort of to to push back at your your comments and to push back at Siggy Schmidt's comments is that uh, people have been trying to get under Zlatan's skin like since he started playing because he's known as, to have a temper. He's known to do stuff like this. So if you're a defender in Major League Soccer, I would be the I would be right there trying to egg him on, trying to push him, trying to do the whole thing. I don't know that stepping on him again if it was on purpose. Um, it's really hard to sort of tell, but he certainly got stepped on twice. Well, he did it twice. Yeah, he did. But it's still even in the realm of, like, if you step on something and then you're like, oh, oh, you know, and you sort of are a little off balance and then he stepped on it again. It's hard to, like, it wasn't a clear stomp. I'll say that right now. It's not a clear stomp. He did step on him twice, though, and I can certainly say that I've seen defenders be smart enough to know how to do that. So, all those things being equal, yes, I get it, but Zlatan has to be, but that's the whole thing, is Zlatan has there were there were a bunch of different ways to react to this, Kevin, and the worst way he could have reacted is the way he did it, and he, he bears the fault for that. He doesn't get to escape from this, as in, I didn't do anything wrong um, yeah, you did, and it kind of doesn't matter, and VAR isn't going to let you sort of out of this anymore. It's not going to give you a pass on this and retaliatory things are going to get caught and they're the ones that used to get caught before VAR. So quite honestly, with Zlatan, it, it, it was a boneheaded play. He can't make that play. Now, to get on to to you, to to Siggy Schmidt's point, which is something I never even thought of, listen to Siggy Schmidt talking about Zlatan's red card, and then we'll go back and talk about this a little bit because uh, Pro has some explaining to do, uh, which they will, of course, not explain because they're generally pretty cowards uh, whenever it comes to admitting that they made a huge mistake here. Uh, here's Siggy Schmidt. He says, He got stepped on pretty good. I'm a little confused. Seems to me, in the order of fouls, the stepping occurred first, so I don't know why it's not a penalty kick. And, they're s- and if they're saying that the step was accidental, then why did they give him a yellow card? So it makes no sense. If you give him a yellow card, it means he stepped on him on purpose. And if he stepped on him on purpose, then it has got to be a penalty kick and Zlatan gets a red card for his reaction to it. Anytime you play a man down like that, everybody digs a little bit deeper and we talked about this being an adverse situation and wanted to define our character now. Okay, so Siggy Schmidt, in that quote, Kevin, is not arguing the red card. He, in fact, he acknowledges it. He says, yeah, then Zlatan gets a red card, but why isn't it the penalty kick? And he's absolutely 100% right in terms of, was there a foul? If there was a foul that he got stepped on, which we all agree he got stepped on, then that foul happened first. And if that foul happened first, why is it not a penalty kick? Is there something in the rule book which you know I I have not dug through enough to be honest? Is there something in the laws of the game that says I can give a yellow card for something if it's not a foul, but it's sort of a warning to be careful because otherwise they gave a yellow card to to uh, to to Petrasso for something and we know that it was for stepping on Zlatan, so if he stepped on Zlatan, then it's a penalty kick.
1: Yeah, I I mean, Ziggy seems pretty clear, and the fact that one precipitated the other, again, I know that uh, I'm not going to win this argument, but I would go back to say... Zlatan Zlatan did not react, at, you know, out of thin air. Uh, maybe he he it, the reaction was incorrect, but again, the referee is saying, "Hey, we're going to give you a yellow card for doing this, and then we're going to give you the red card for retaliating." And I, I, I kind of think Ziggy's making the point of uh, he's retaliating against a, a a foul that should have been dealt with more harshly.
0: Yeah, not only more harshly it should have resulted in a penalty kick for the LA Galaxy and. I'll, uh, you, very rarely will you hear pro, the uh, the organization, the pro referees organization, very rarely will you hear them come out and say that they made a mistake or that they'll clarify this. And I mean, not to get too in the weeds here, there is a way and there has always been a way for reporters to ask referees questions. We don't get them in post game press conferences, Kevin, which would have been so much fun. Uh, that I think is one of the things that really needs to change. If if MLS really wants to take a step forward, start having the referees come in when requested for a post-game press conference and let us ask a couple questions and they can just give us the answers. It doesn't have to be adversarial, but it certainly would get into the mind of the referees. And there is a way for reporters to do that it's just a very structured way uh it's very uh you have to go exactly by the book and if you screw up any of the steps in order to do it you don't get an answer and basically has to do with something called a pool reporter and the pool reporter has to submit a question to the referee before a certain time after the game and then the referee will will give a written response to that question although sometimes those written responses are because it was a foul you know but, it's that type well, of
1: well here, here's why that didn't happen today it, it's because the foul in question or the, the the call in question went against more harshly against the LA galaxy and they're the visiting mm-hmm. team and there's no traveling beat writers there uh, there's only the galaxy personnel there and and uh, that didn't create near enough of a of a storm uh, right. for MLS officials on site to say, yeah, we're going to address this. Now, you, if that had happened the other way around, if it had been a Montreal player and they presumably have a number of radio reporters and, and newspaper reporters and web reporters and all kinds of bloggers and things there, you know, maybe 15 or 20 people come into MLS and say, we demand an answer to this. Then maybe they go to the, uh, to the referee and say poll reporter is going to come in and ask you a question but uh you know it's not going to work the other way around and by the way i don't know if if, what broadcast you were watching i was actually watching in spanish and i found it very interesting that after the uh the goal the the camera angle that i was watching went to the stands and there was a tall gentleman wearing a ibrahimovic uh jersey and he had a man bun and he and they showed him on camera standing up to a to applaud the goal by Ola Kamara. I thought that was pretty fast. That uh, that Zlatan was able to get dressed, showered and get into the stands, yeah. you know, with his man bun all tied up and his jersey still on and, and cheer the Ola uh, Kamara goal. That was a pretty classy move by him to cheer his teammate from uh, the stands. I,
0: I saw that replay as well, and uh, that guy wishes he was as good-looking as Zlatan <laughs> Ibrahimovic uh, and just a little bit as wealthy. So,
1: yeah, I mean, listen... The, you got a crush on Zlatan, don't you?
0: Yeah, oh, yes, obviously. Isn't that... Please, I got... I, I was told today after I pre- pre- correctly predicted that Zlatan Ibrahimovic would get a red card and would get ejected after I saw the foul, I was told that I should just change the name Name of my show to corner of the L.A.F.C., which doesn't really work that well. And and quite honestly, if you're if you're that upset about Zlatan making a boneheaded mistake like that, y- you should you should stop drinking so early in the day. This was just a weird game, Kevin. To, to kick off at noon on Monday, what is what is that crap? And obviously, it was a it was what? a holiday in Canada. But geez, it was it was it's disorienting, orientating, and I don't like it. We no more of that.
1: Well, it's yeah, it's Victoria Day, and on top of that. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with that. I just want to go back to um, you correctly predicting something that had already happened. You said I was I predicted Zlatan would get a red card after I already saw the red card foul. So that's not really much of a prediction. I'm I, I'm not taking I, you to wait buy a, a lot. Okay, prediction. wait,
0: hold on. Let's let's clear this up very very clearly. They showed the replay before the referee had even gone over to VAR, and I said Zlatan's getting a red card. That's it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And I'm that's, like, that's and,
1: bold. That's and, bold. hey, it is.
0: Hey, you know why? Because I actually know MLS rules, and I know any hands to the face. Ask Giovinco about hands to the face, all right? Because he grabbed a guy sort of by the jaw and was like, no, 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 don't try to take the ball from me. And he got a red card for a hands to the face. A lot less violent than Zlatan's little, I, 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 I want to call it a slap, but a slap almost gives it too much credit. It was like a, a shooing away. It was It was as if it, it was a front-sided backhanded slap. Does that make sense?
1: Not really, okay. but I I wanted to say that the, you talk about the, the day and the schedule of the game. Miss um, Panda was asking me today, too, why they're playing at noon on a Monday. She thought it was ridiculous. They said, well, first of all, it's not noon. It's 3 o'clock during Canada. And second of all, it's a holiday in Canada, so it makes perfect sense. But what doesn't make sense is the Galaxy, it is their longest uh, trip of the season. Um, they will make other trips back to the East Coast. they go to play New England, which is almost as long. Um, Philadelphia. And this will be interesting, too, to see how they handle this. On July 14th, um, they play the New England Revolution in Gillette Stadium. And then on July 21st, they play the Philadelphia Union in uh, Chester, Pennsylvania. So pretty close. You, you could take a, certainly a cell, probably a bus from one place to the other. Um, but there's seven days in between. So do the Galaxy fly back? They probably will. But that seems pretty a ridiculous idea on on, uh, the uh, MLS schedule makers part. But what I wanted to talk about this game, they've played this game on, on Monday in Canada, and then they have to play on the other side of the continent on Friday. Now, if they hadn't used their charter flight, they wouldn't be out until Friday, and it's a, a, a long flight. Granted, the clock goes in their favor, but they really wouldn't be able to train until Wednesday. Then Thursday is a, uh, an easy day, and then they have to play again on Friday. So, the the schedule makers really need to take a look at this. And I was mentioning it to a couple of Galaxy officials the other day. I think I was talking to Vianis about the schedule. And if you look at any other sport, if the Dodgers go back to the East Coast, granted they play three game series, but they would play. Uh, say, Washington, Philadelphia, New York, and then come back. In in the NHL, you might play Montreal, then Winnipeg, and sort of stair-step your way back. The point is you don't fly across country and turn around and fly back. And that's what they're doing in MLS. And I I, I get it. It's like the NFL. You only play once a week. But to see the Galaxy have to go back and forth across the country four times in the span of a week when they play New England and Philadelphia, and then seeing them have to make this trip when they have another game in four days – I mean, does anyone look at these schedules and 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 realize how ridiculous this is? Yeah, M- MLS doesn't
0: care apparently. Um, that's all. That's really what it comes down to. Because you could have had the Galaxy play this weekend. Uh, Kevin and it would have been a normal sort of sort of game and you know yeah Hey, it's great, but apparently they really wanted the galaxy in Montreal to play them on the Monday And then they really wanted a nationally televised game, which is it's going to be on on UNAMAS I believe uh, is is the San Jose Earthquakes the Cali Classico on Friday. You could have moved either of those games um, If you're gonna play them on Monday have the galaxy place, you know, San Jose on Sunday. Um, and this is the kind of crap that makes you know MLS. Outside of the fact that they can't figure out that Ashley Cole is suspended, um, this is the kind of stuff that makes that makes MLS look like a Mickey Mouse league. Um, well, they, they, you, you know what? Yeah. you
1: know what Bob Bradley talks about. He said every other league in the world, and I, I realize this is cornered the LAFC now for a minute. Yes, but every he said every other team in the world, and he's right for the most part. There are certain exceptions, but for the most part, they play home and away. Home and away. You don't play two games on the road. In consecutive weekends, you don't play two home games in you know consecutive games, and, and he's largely right. And you look at the MLS schedule and look at the Galaxy schedule right now, and they don't do that at all. They have you know two at home, two on the road, two at home, three on the road. Um, and when you have a situation where the Galaxy, for example, have three games on the road in July and three successive uh, games on the road, July fourteenth, New England, come home, July twenty-first, Philadelphia, come home, and then they play LAFC. Five days later, which is a road game, but is essentially in Southern California. So the point is, why why do they do that? Why can't they go home and away, home and away? And the reason that is a good thing is because you wouldn't have the New England, Philadelphia situation and because you get to spend a week in your own bed if you're a player before you go out on the road again. You don't have to travel to consecutive road games. If you look at what happened with Houston, the Galaxy playing back to back games in Houston and Dallas, losing both three to two, uh, losing on late goals you got to think the galaxy get, gets at least a draw from one of those if one's on the road and one's at home you just it, it, you, the galaxy were hard-bitten both those games and you got to think they come out of one of those games with at least a draw yeah if well, it's at home
0: i mean here's the argument if you're if you're saying that you know i agree with you 100% you should go out and come back and go out and come back if that's the way it's going to... because there's no advantage For most of these teams, they're not staying on the road. As you correctly pointed out, Kevin, they're not staying there. They're not going to stay there between New England and Philadelphia. I mean, Siggy's sort of already put down his credo on how the Galaxy traveled whenever they did the back-to-back Texas games. When they were asked, hey, why don't you just stay in Texas for seven days because then you don't have to do all the traveling? And he said, no. Nah. He goes, because whenever they come back, they, the guys can stay and sleep in their own beds, with their own families. All this stuff is more comfortable for them, so they'll rather take the travel, um, you know, going back and forth and back and forth than to just stay there. So if teams are doing that, which, by the way, almost all teams are doing that, very rarely uh, in a season do you see a team stay on the road. It happens maybe once, maybe twice every two years, where you see the galaxy actually stay on a road trip. Maybe they'll have a, you know, a New England game and then a Philadelphia game, but they're on Saturday and Wednesday. Um, and then they come home for, you know, a, a Saturday game. So so you're absolutely right. If they're not going to have them go out and stay on road trips, which they're not doing, then going back and forth between a home and away and a home and away is a smart way to do it. And that seems what's happening in, in Major League Soccer right now. It's not that teams are going out and staying on, you know, it's the Galaxy didn't leave for 21 days and, and not come back during their three-game road trip.
1: Well, it, with Bruce, with Bruce Arena, I remember one time that Galaxy played in New York and then played in Chicago, Four or five days later, and they just stayed out on the road. They, I think they might have spent an extra day in New York, and then flew to Chicago and trained there, and 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 played the game. By the way, Galaxy uh, alumni, watch. Did, did you see who was on the bench for the Impact today?
0: Uh, I did. I did not. Was Was it Was it Diop?
1: It was Clement Diop uh. was on the bench.
0: Ah, oh, very nice, very nice. Clément Diop, of course. I actually somebody, uh, one of the traveling fans, I believe uh, an LA LALC traveling fan, posted a photo outside of uh, of Stad Saputo there, and uh, there was a giant uh, poster of uh, Clément Diop there, uh, up on one of the light stanchions. So it was, uh, it was, it was kind of interesting to see that. And Brian, I was watching a Vancouver game. Uh, this weekend, and and saw Brian Rowe playing in gold for Vancouver, so I saw that too. I mean, there's Sean Franklin playing for Vancouver as well, actually getting a bunch of playing time. Uh, it seems like so, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys out and around uh, former GIC's Galaxy. artists
1: artist leading <laughs> the league in scoring, as we uh, talk about correctly predicting, as we correctly pre- predicted on this show. By the way, I know that the Galaxy played the second half a man down, but you know Montreal had 23 shots. Yeah, 20, that seems like a lot of shots.
0: Twenty-three to seven, I think, is the overall. Uh, yeah, twenty-three yeah. to seven and five to four on goal was the uh, was the total one. Also, the LA Galaxy's first win in Montreal. Well, let's talk. Okay, so second half. Second half. This is important. I want to point this out because. This is where things changed. This is where it happened. Uh, Ola Kamara said basically in his post game that it was important for the team to get to be at halftime at 0-0. Zero zero. It was important for them to be able to be able to regroup and talk about things. And then they came out in what I would call their most organized position I think I've ever seen. There Kevin, uh, two rows of four players uh, very linked together, obviously in a defensive set, uh, really trying to to stymie Montreal. And they forced, listen, Montreal's not a good team. We, we've said that a bunch of times. And they certainly, some of their shot selections were, were questionable. But a lot of places and a lot of times, Kevin, they were making Montreal shoot from outside the box. Those shots either got blocked or they went over the post or they went wide. Uh, David Bingham was forced to make five saves again. Uh, He had a good night outside of a couple goal kicks that he shot errantly out of bounds, but that's sort of uh, standard operating procedure for him uh, anytime he plays. So you look at all these things, and and the Galaxy were organized, they were focused, they had a goal. I mean, that's the kind of Galaxy that you have been expecting to see under Siggy Schmidt, and they had to do it because they were down a man, and they let Ola Kamara just sort of circulate up top there, and it it paid off for them.
1: I'm not going to say that they're a better team without Ibrahimovic. But it does make the formation a little easier, a little more predictable, I think, for the players who are still, uh, you know, Zlatan does do a lot of freelancing and, and somebody with his resume probably deserves the opportunity to do that. But you're right. They did look a lot more organized when they came out in the second half without him. And here's another question. Did Ziggy save his job? What's his job first? First question, Was his job in danger and did he save it?
0: You know, it's a it's a I wouldn't have been surprised if there would have been some concern over his job security if they would have lost today. Um, I'm also not surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if if it wasn't in danger. I think you and I have both been sort of under the position or or in the position, Kevin, that says Ziggy's seat is getting warmer but that it still seems a little early for an L.A. Galaxy front office to make that move right now?
1: Well, here's here's a couple things. First of all, it, I think that there was some concern. I think the front office would have turned and said, look, yes, he lost in Montreal and he lost in Houston and Dallas. Those are three road games. Um, he almost got points in the first two, Houston and Dallas, tough opponents. He's had the toughest schedule, L.A. Uh, LA Galaxy, I think, have the second toughest schedule schedule um to start the season Correct. of any team in MLS yep. uh, up until Houston or up until Dallas everyone uh, with the exception of LAFC who wasn't around last year everyone else was a playoff team so they had a difficult schedule I, I think uh, the support you know Ziggy's supporters would have said look the, yes he should have got a point out of Montreal if they had lost he should have got a point out of Montreal um but it was the third road game a tough road swing um he needs a little bit more time Another big, but but then you can argue that, look, they really haven't shown, uh, they've shown a little fire. They've had some gutty performances. They've come back, but they haven't shown that little extra oomph to get them over the finish line. You know, a lot of their games they lose late. Yes, they've, uh, in, in Dallas, they fought back from a one goal deficit twice, only to lose the game. So you can look at that from both sides. You can say, yeah, they had a tough schedule, but you can say the team's not playing well. But uh, in talking to somebody very close to MLS, what they told me is is they think that uh did not get enough time uh, to prove himself. And you and I have talked about that. And we, I think, both agree on that. that right. That the, 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 the hook was a little bit early on Kurt Anolfo. And this person told me that because of that, that he believes the Galaxy now have come to grips with that. And they realize that. And so what they're doing is they're giving Ziggy extra time that they didn't give to Kurt Anolfo. Uh, remember Ziggy and in going into this game had won five of twenty-four games since he took over as coach of the Galaxy. That's not a very good record, um, but that they were uh, Chris. Chris Klein did not want to be seen as the guy who fired two coaches in the span of ten months, uh, and so Ziggy is going to get extra time, even if it means they wind up sacrificing the season. And I'm not saying anyone's made that decision. I'm just saying that because they pulled the uh, the switch on on Kudernoff so quickly, that Ziggy is going to get extra time simply because of the optics. You know, they don't want to look like a, a team that changes coaches every 10 months.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I I you told me that, and I sort of agree in, in how they're looking at things and how they're going about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Galaxy could, you know, if they make another change here, it's basically admitting defeat. And if it, defeat again, uh, it's admitting that they got it wrong again. And if that happens, you'd have to imagine that there are more changes in order than just a coach. Because, like more
1: five five year extensions, probably.
0: I mean, I would I would say that maybe even five year extensions might go out the window if if another coach goes. So I mean, that's that that's where the Galaxies sit right now is that they are. They're having to worry more about optics of how things look, Kevin, than just worrying about the play on the field. Um, and I think that's a that's a dangerous place to be, and it has been a dangerous place. Now, granted, Siggy Schmidt gets bailed out by, you know, Ola Kamara, quite honestly, and he should be making sure that Ola Kamara is a happy camper with almost his, uh, his $1 million a year. So, I mean, y- you look at all those things, and y- you say, yeah, the Galaxy didn't play well today. They played better in the second half, which they have done pretty consistently throughout the year. Um, but, the, you know, they figured out a way to get it done. I, I think that's really the bottom line you take away from this. They figured out a way to get it done. They got it done. I mean, I even had questions about Siggy Schmidt made a substitution in the 64th minute, made two. Uh, he took Roman Alessandrini off the field. He took uh, Sebastian lejet off the field. I seriously questioned, and I still questioned, and I know it worked out well for Siggy Schmidt. So, you know, he could tell me that I'm full of crap, which I'm sure he would happily do. But why do you take Ramon Alessandrini off in these particular situations? You didn't go more defensive by bringing in Chris Pontius and and Ima Boateng. With Boatang, you provided a relief valve. For the Galaxy. So I love that sub. I thought that was great. And remember, I'm Mr. Uh, Ima Boateng, you know, shouldn't play anymore, blah, blah, blah. But I thought I thought Ima was very good on the night, did exactly what the Galaxy needed him to do. And that's the type of performance you want to see from Ima coming off the bench and being that relief valve, being the speed that that Montreal had no answer for. And ultimately, the I, I love that they list uh, um uh, Ima tank Kevin, at five foot six inches, because if he's above like five three, I'd be amazed. Um, but all five six, let's just say it's true. All five six, the got the header that sprung, um, you know, uh, Ola Kamara through, and Ola Kamara beats two defenders in order and a goalkeeper through the wickets there. Um, in, in order to to get the only goal, goal of the game. So, I mean, that, that substitute paid off. But what is Roman Alessandrini doing that Siggy Schmidt doesn't like? That was the most defense I've seen Roman Alessandrini play in the history of Roman Alessandrini with the LA Galaxy. I thought he was excellent on the day. I thought he was doing yeah. everything that he could. And you saw him come off and he kicked water bottles and he refused to shake hands. And if I'm Roman Alessandrini, I'm ticked off too.
1: Yeah, that that shades of last year, and I think the galaxy as a team, as the players, uh, and perhaps Ashley Cole watching from home, they need to get a handle on that. They can't get back to Ashley Cole was the one that did it last year when he didn't shake hands with Kudanava uh, when he came off. You know, you you can't be publicly humiliating your coach like that. I understand he's upset, and he was upset, and he's been upset for a while. But uh, I just thought that was bad form. And speaking of substitutions, though, were you surprised to see Thomas Hilliard arce come on? Uh, one minute of the stoppage time. They, they, were, they were going, adding a the defender. They wanted to get defensive and posture. Um, but they had Daniel Starris on the bench. Why would you bring in Hilliard Arce, a young rookie in a situation where you're trying to hold on to a lead where I think that experience is, at that point is more important than any physical attribute somebody might have, and yet you went with the rookie over uh, the, the grizzled veteran Daniel Starris on the bench?
0: Uh, probably, I, I don't know. You're right. They could have, they could have brought on stairs. Um, I would say that in my mind, why I wouldn't want to do it is stairs had a nightmare of a game last week and I would probably want him nowhere near the defense in a, in a late minute goal issue, uh, because he gave up a late minute goal in the last game against FC Dallas. So maybe there's a little bit of some learning there. And I thought bringing in, you know, Hilliard Arce was a good move, and it gave the Galaxy five defenders, and it wasted time. And David Bingham, by the way, did very well on wasting time in this game. You, you Got t- a yellow card for it. Got though. a yellow card. He, he knew he was going to get it. He, he was expecting it. He was just trying to delay it. You're always trying to delay it just as long as you possibly can. Uh, so that way you can continue to waste time. So the Galaxy did well there. Uh, Perry Kitchen got another yellow card, um, which means that he's on yellow card watch now. Uh, so he has four, and if he picks up another one, then he would be suspended for the next game. I think I got that wrong on last week's podcast, although I swear to God, if I could find a replay of the FC Dallas game, I'll watch it again, because I, I swear that I saw Perry Kitchen pick up a yellow card, but nobody has it. It's on nobody's I swear record.
1: on swear to Zlatan, you mean?
0: That's, yes, obviously. Um, so, so, I mean, you know, there, there's all these things. I thought the Galaxy's defense played well on the night. I know there's people who still hate. I thought Romney had a good night. I thought uh, Shelvic had a good night. I thought Siani had a good night and this is against a bad team and I understand that. Clementa struggled. I expected him to struggle. He's a USL player. I thought Perry Kitchen and uh, and and Sebastian Legette did better in the second half than they did in the first half but quite honestly in the first half they were left out hung out to dry by their midfield in front of them a bunch of times and you could see it. Kobe Jones was com- commenting about it on the broadcast. So, I mean looking at all of the things that you saw from the galaxy in this game Kevin you take away you know some important things one Ola Kamara is is the real leader of this team right now uh, he's the one who's out there scoring goals he's the one who's out there uh you know bailing the galaxy out and he has been for the last four or five games he is that good and, and two for me is that the galaxy put in a concerted team effort on defense in the second half and it paid off for them I don't know what else you can take away from you know being down a man and winning maybe there's some some added uh, you know uh, uh, bonus points that you get in your mind uh you know everything but I, I guarantee you all those players are exhausted they worked hard they got three points and and they they did what they were supposed to do I said they would get four points out of the road trip Kevin and I'm, I'm minutes away from from getting they almost had five points in these uh in these uh three games that they had so
1: wow yeah. you are optimistic I am not ready to say that these guys are are gonna win the Champions League just yet um I want to see what happens against their uh, their next two opponents they play San Jose at home a, a bad team they should win correct uh they'll be back in fortress stubhub um, they should win that game but I, I'm Interested to see how they play without Zlatan and to see Ola Kamara just run all over the field and go crazy, I think that's going to be something to watch for. Um, so again, weak opponent without Zlatan at home, that's a game that they I think they need to not just win, but to dominate. And I want to see what happens with uh, the formation without Zlatan and see what happens with Alessandrini too. He may go back into what he claims is his favorite position and may stop kicking water bottles. But then they follow that up with a Wednesday, May 30th game, again back at Fortress StubHub against FC Dallas, a team that's played very well, very hard to score upon, just beat the Galaxy, um, and they're going to have Zlatan back. And so now how do we welcome him back into the lineup? How do we adjust the formation uh, to keep Ola happy and to keep Ola productive? The the happiness isn't nearly as important as the productivity. To keep Ola productive while getting Zlatan back on the field um, how does everyone adjust to that and then against a, gif- uh, a difficult opponent? If they get through those two games um, and and are impressive, win both, or at least get four points out of the two and score a few goals, then maybe I'll be on board with you. But right now, I'm not sure that these guys are the Champions League favorites.
0: Where did uh, What did I say that would lead you to believe that I'm overly optimistic? I said they would get four points on the road, they got three. I said that's pretty close. That was about be- it.
1: That is pretty close, but they also lost two games. Yes, they, they did. Lost, they lost two out of three there. They they did they they won 33% of their games.
0: Yeah, and they should have they should have at least gotten a point against Houston, which they didn't and they blew that. They had Dallas pinned and they should have got a point after that. I mean, yeah, they've been pretty horrible and granted in Dallas was certainly uh, gifted to them. I wouldn't have expected them to beat Dallas. I expected them to get a draw in Houston and a win against Montreal. That was sort of how I was setting this up for the four points. So, not bad. It's close. They're still not a good team. Um, The Galaxy now 2-3-0 at home and and 2-3-1 on the road. So technically they have one more point on the road, Kevin, than they do at home. Uh, Maybe they can remedy that uh, whenever they head back on Friday to face off against San Jose Earthquakes. That's an 8 p.m. kickoff time, FYI. Gives you a chance to get through some traffic on a Friday afternoon because that's always been fun. Uh, Galaxy 4, 6-1, 13 points, 11 games played, 7th in the Western Conference. uh, Just 2 points outside of a playoff spot. See what happens, what 3 points does in a Western Conference, which uh, somebody on Twitter- today said there are four good teams in the Western Conference, and the rest of the teams in the conference are hoping their teams lose so that way they can they can switch coaches, and two of those teams will ultimately be disappointed because they're going to make the playoffs and they'll keep their coaches. That was I thought that was an accurate description of the Western Conference right now, which is probably about four good teams and everything else is just sort of meh, uh, and that includes the LA Galaxy right now. Um, I'm trying to see. You know what? Yeah. This
1: is their one, two. Uh, this is their third shutout of the year, too. It First is shutout since the Chicago Fire game. It is, and they are. Uh, and it, it's interesting. That, oh, they had two wins and a and a and, and a, a draw. draw in those yep. three shutouts.
0: Yep, absolutely. They got the draw against Vancouver. Remember that one, and then the uh, the shutout against Chicago. Now a shutout against Montreal Impact. So that's not horrible. I mean, no, it, they've yeah. been
1: they have three shutouts and they've been out three times. So that's it's nice to have that balance.
0: You you, you like that balance? That works. Uh, I think I already said it. First win in Montreal. Um, all time, they're now one, one, and two in Montreal. Um, as that goes, so oh, I have a question for you. This was uh, this was something that popped up. Do you think Zlatan Ibrahimovic will only get a one-game suspension? Do you think what he did possibly could draw the ire of the disciplinary committee, and they could add on some games for his slap-tastic little slap out there?
1: Oh my God, you are so. <laughs> off in left field by yourself on that one.
0: Oh, no, so, I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just asking the no, question.
1: MLS is going to look at this and say, the last time we're going to keep him off the field for more than one game? I would not be surprised if it went the other way. I would not be surprised if they looked at that and said, you know what, shouldn't have done that, but we understand. Go ahead and play. As you're going to be on national TV, go ahead and play. You, um, you, and,
0: you're a dreamer. I'm worried you're drinking on the job right now if you think <laughs> that MLS is going to overturn or rescind any red card that on that Ibrahimovic got. That's not happening. We,
1: we know that money rules everything with MLS, and you have your your, your big-ticket guy, the guy who's selling out games everywhere. Granted, the Galaxy game at home, it's uh, San Jose Earthquakes. is already sold out. But it is a national TV game on Unamas. A uh, chance to draw uh, a bigger audience, and I, I just would not be surprised if they said, uh, our bad, go ahead and play. Yeah, not happening.
0: Uh, he will miss the San Jose game. He'll be back for for that Dallas game, though. That's at least uh, what I think. I, I listen. I wouldn't put it, li, Kevin. I wouldn't put it by the disciplinary committee to go do something stupid. All right. I watched some of the VAR calls that were made over the weekend, and I'm convinced the whole league is sort of suffer, suffering from stupidity right now. Whenever it comes
1: that, to a Joseph Martinez uh, call in the Atlanta game that changed the whole game and, and was a terrible call. The, the guy never. Jose y- Martinez never touched them. The defender went down on his own, and that should have been a goal.
0: Look, I, you know what, and I will disagree. I will say he did clip him on the heel whenever he went by. I watched that play, so yeah. I mean, listen, this, this is this is what you get with VAR. is is lots of fun, but I, I do appreciate that MLS is uh, trying at least now to say that uh, offside an offside call. This is what this is one of the things I heard. An offside call is a fact. You're either offside. or... Or you're onside, Kevin. So there's no clear... They're almost saying there's no clear and obvious or every call is clear and obvious because he's either onside or he's offside. There's no gray area whenever you're watching the replays, and I'm like, no, come on, guys, this—that's ridiculous. So
1: you, you can be almost pregnant or almost offside.
0: Yes, exactly. You could a little
1: that, bit pregnant, a, a little bit offside. A little
0: bit offside. You can be a little bit offside. That actually is a, is a true thing. You can be—you're still offside, but you can be a little bit. But basically, uh, in terms of the replays and how they're viewing them, uh, you need clear and obvious. And I've seen a bunch of calls overturned where they have misused VAR. They may have got the call right. But they misuse VAR and the and the rules that they're supposed to be doing, which is nothing new. Well, they don't. Z,
1: Ziggy Ziggy talked about this, but I actually think since we're doing uh, corner of the LAFC, Bob Bradley was much better in his explanation about this. Ziggy talked about it the same way, he just wasn't. I don't want to say eloquent, but uh, I, but basically I, that's I, what you're saying. I think Bradley explained it better. He talked about how it's got to be clear and obvious. So if a referee sees a play and said, "I'm pretty sure I got that right," I'm like. 50% sure I got that right and I had to make the call. You, you get it. They make the call in the heat of the battle. They have to make a call. And so if the referee says I'm 60% right or I'm 50% right that I got that call right, then he goes to check VAR because in his mind he's saying, he's already admitted, I'm not 100% right. So then he goes up and looks at VAR and instead of being 50% right, now he's 60% right. According to the rules, and as Bob Bradley explains them, that's not enough to overturn the call. It has to be clear and obvious, not, oh, that's a little bit – I'm a little bit more convinced, but still not 100% convinced. No, no. You need to be 100% convinced. So going back to that Joseph Martinez play, let's just say both of us um, are right, that I think he didn't clip him and you said he did. But we're both kind of agreeing that the video didn't make that clear and obvious. Right. Right. Um, So, you don't overturn, you don't take that goal off the board because it's not clear and obvious. There's still a little bit of a doubt. Maybe your original call was right. Um, So, you know, that's what. you know, some of the coaches are dealing with with this replay. Is referees are looking at it and said, "Yeah, okay, now I'm a little bit more convinced. Either I was right or wrong, yeah. but I'm not 100% convinced." No,
0: no, it's it's absolutely that. And I almost think it needs to go to a voting system where you have three people, they vote on it, and that's how it ends up. Because you, like you said, you and I both watch the same replay. We came up to different different uh, conclusions. So if I'm the VAR official, I overturn it because I'm like, um, yeah, he he touched it. You know that type of. Thing. But if you're the VAR official, it stands. So is is right. that is that how it and should so, be? That's not how it should be.
1: And so if you vote, would you then use the electoral college? Would it be a straight up and down vote? Because yeah. the rural states then would would have more <laughs> yeah, more mo- sway.
0: I think I think fans should vote on VAR calls. That's what I think. I think that would make it a lot more fun. Just that would complete, be like American Idol or something. It would be wonderful, wonderful chaos, wonderful chaos. You're somebody
1: fired. Somebody fired sa- the referees.
0: Somebody said that's what their vote. That's what they're vo- hoping will happen in the World Cup is that every every upset team wins, uh, and that there's a healthy mix of VAR controversy uh, mixed in as well. So uh, that'll well, be interesting.
1: There's going to be VAR controversy because. Um, right now, we're agreeing that you look at the same, both of us looked at the same replay and didn't come to the same conclusion. I mean, that's one of the things, and uh, maybe in the NFL a little bit, but when I watch replays, say in the NHL or, or uh, Major League Baseball, it seems like the replays are very convincing that it's clear what happened. Um, you know, in and, and soccer, at least the way the referees are looking at it, doesn't seem to be clear. And why is that? I mean, they're using basically the same technology. Why in one sport, it's arguably just as fast. Uh, are the replays, you know, easily discernible? And, and in MLS, everyone seems to have a different opinion.
0: Maybe maybe uh, MLS needs more cameras. Maybe that's what that's the uh, that's the answer. Because if you look at baseball and everything else and hockey, there's always seventeen different views and thirteen different backwards sides. And in, in MLS, you usually get two. Uh, maybe you get three. That type of thing. I would be honestly. I, I would really like offside to be modeled um with, with you know technology that models the field and they can just overlay on the replay and be like, okay, there it is. It's either offside or onside and it can make the determination and that's that would solve a lot of this VAR controversy because it has to do with off it has to do with, you know, when things are offside. And quite honestly, you know, not to go way off on a tangent because we're already way skewed out there as it is. Um, I think the technology exists. I would love to see goal line technology come into Major League Soccer because I don't want to argue about that, and I don't want to leave it up to a video replay. Uh, and the other thing I want to see whenever uh, it is that there is a technological, um, you know, solution to offside calls because referees can't make them. We've seen it too many times, um, and so let's start letting a computer make those calls. And I'm, but I'm also the guy who says that a computer should call balls and strikes um, in in baseball games now because that's that's something it can do very easily and has done in the minor leagues. So. So anyway, that's, that's sort of how I look. I want to get to some calls, because we, we've sort of straggled awful here a little bit. I, we got three calls, and, and I apologize if you called in after I got these three, but I'm this, again, our timing and all everything on this has been really condensed in terms of trying to get a show out for you, so we're glad that we at least have something for you. Um, let's go to, uh, to AC from uh, Los Angeles. Here we go.
2: Hey, Josh. This is AC from uh, Los Angeles, California. Just got done watching the game. It's my birthday, so I decided to take the day off. Even though we won, I'm still
3: pretty disappointed
2: in the game. There's no movement from the team. And uh, I don't know what is doing on the weekdays with this team, but pff, it's definitely not practice. Um, we still t- There's still issues with the, with the back line, Siani and Chelvick, Worst duo in the MLS. I don't know what else to say, man. All right. Peace out, Josh.
0: All right. There's a uh, happy birthday, AC. I think it's AC whenever I listen to it 17 times. That's what I came up with. But happy birthday, AC. Um, I'm not as... Listen, I think that Shelvik and Siani are the most overpaid duo in Major League Soccer. I think you could certainly say that at around $1.62 million uh, between those two. So, Kevin, I could say that, but I didn't think they played bad this game. I, in fact, I thought Siani played very well. And I thought Shelvic did, did a good job of uh, of shielding the ball in multiple occasions, and neither of those guys got beat for goals. I mean, overall, you know, cheer the guys when they do a good job, and you can get on them whenever they're bad. But in this game, I was I was okay with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, they gave up 23 shots, which is a product primarily, I think, of them being a man down. So they gave up 23 shots. But as you said, most of them from distance, only five shots on goal. Uh, that Those are pretty good numbers. You can understand giving up a lot of shots, um, but none of them in good position. And obviously Bingham had a pretty good game in goal. So, uh, you know, you look at the results, it's a shutout. It's, were they the best defensive duo in the history of MLS? No, probably not. But you got a shutout, so you know, take that and uh, and get on the plane, the charter plane, and come home and celebrate.
0: Absolutely. All right. And uh, here is, listen, I'm not going to say this person is inebriated. Or I'm not going to say it because I think the call sort of makes it. But they say, I don't care. You don't need my name. So here they are calling after uh, after the Galaxy's win in Montreal.
3: Josh, I'm not giving my name or where I'm from. I don't care. Hey, I think an extended lunch break. Uh, I think you can get fly. But uh, check it out. Uh, dude, we know now the order of operation for the captaincy. Check that out. It is definitely Cole Zlatan. Then it went to Alessandrini. Then it went to Kamara. Then it went to uh, Kitchen. Holy jeez, man. What's with the captains? Oh, by the way, I think you should be coach. Siggy out, Josh in. Check it out. Check it out. You were right. Rich man's on Gordon. Right on. And also, Boateng off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, keep that up with that observation, man. Take it easy. Bye! All right, see? Oh, that,
1: that guy's been into the Captain, yeah. Captain Morgan a little bit. <laughs>
3: just just a little bit.
0: That's fine. Hey, if it takes somebody in an altered state of mind to understand that I am the genius that I am, Kevin, I'm going to accept all of that, all of the that's, accolades. Those,
1: those are the only people that think that, the I, people in an altered state of mind.
0: That's fine. I think it's just another sort of reality that I'm living in outside of everybody else's. All right, uh, final call that we have uh, from William. You're, in,
1: looking, you're looking for a spaceship behind the Hale-Bopp Comet.
0: Yeah, wow, the Hale-Bopp Comet. That's no what one's gonna get
1: that. One I was either? gonna
0: say, when was the last time anybody talked about the Hale Bob comet? Never. That it's been. It's everybody who has talked about it is dead. That's what
1: happened. But, all right. But you know what? The guy that led that cult looks a lot like Roger Stone. Just to bring it back to the present day. I, who? Who is Roger Stone? Where? Oh, where come on. What are we you're not following about? the. You're not following the Mueller investigation.
0: I am, but like I have other things to do. Like pay attention to the galaxy. All right. That's basically my my full time after after hours. Career, okay. You know, career.
1: Oh, Google it. Google the Hale uh, uh, Bot. Bop Comet Guy and Roger Stone. And tell me that's not the same person.
0: Yeah, he will be first on my list of things to do. Here's William in San Francisco.
3: Hey, this is William from San Francisco. And first off, I'm disappointed, but not surprised with Zlatan's behavior. You know, every game he was getting a little bit more chippy, and I thought that was just his competitiveness. But like even games against, like, a New York Red Bulls, um, he was getting handsy with um, the opponents and um so something like this was probably going to happen sooner or later and anybody who knows his career knows this has happened before so i i don't want to talk about it too much it's just going to be unfortunate because it's going to get drawn up in the narrative and it's going to look bad on the club and it's really going to hurt Zlatan on on his uh uh captain leadership position but what i want to talk about is that there's no real you know designated place in the book right now or it feels that way because we just saw Montreal at the end of the game do the same left cross and create all these nasty chances whereas when the Galaxy were on the ball, you know, there wasn't wasn't really any imagination or any design plays and I can just see somebody like Baton getting lost because he doesn't know whether he's supposed to be a striker or he's supposed to bail out the midfield when they can't find somebody to create like a long pass to. Um, And basically, the defense improved without Cole, you know, exhausting himself, running back and forth, but like I said, I I feel like the crosses suffered for that, and um, it'd be interesting to see how this all develops with Swanson missing the next game, and the expectation that, you know, maybe we can't play him every 90 minutes because our record is actually better when he gets subbed out or doesn't finish the game, so... All uh, right.
0: Thanks. All right. There's there's William. I'm I'm not as disappointed in in the Galaxy and how they played, and I certainly think that if you're looking at anything in the second half, at least in my opinion, Kevin, that it's a result of as we just said, the Galaxy being down to ten men. Um, I didn't think Montreal was overly dangerous in the first half, whenever it was eleven v. eleven. Uh, outside of uh, Piatti, who is—I swear to God—one of the most. I don't know if he was voted the most underrated player in Major League Soccer by the players, but he's—he's he's so everybody knows that he's the most underrated. So can you can you really be underrated when everybody knows he's that guy? Um, and a guy that perhaps Montreal could be looking to move as well because he, there's no way he's staying, you know, at Montreal past his contract, which seems like it's happening. So I mean, outside of all those things, I just wasn't that disappointed in the Galaxy's play. I thought that they played well. That was that was my take on. It.
1: Yeah, but the caller's right. Is in that Zlatan is is getting more and more um, agitated and and I don't know if angry is the right word. Frustrated, probably. We saw that in 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 Dallas when the uh, Ola Kamara passed it didn't come when it was supposed to, and then when Zlatan tried that bicycle kick, that was really awkward. It's kind of like watching a, I don't know a a stork step out of a box or something. He just he looks uh, a giraffe. He looks very awkward when he tries to do that. But anyway, the point is. I don't think he's taken to MLS officiating, for one. I think he just had some of his issues with that. And, he, you know, he's he's talked to some certain players. We know he's talked to players on the team about their performance and and how they are not delivering up to the level that he expects. And, again, we talked about this before. He's not in the English Premier League anymore. These guys, if they were that good, they'd be in the Premier League. So I think Zlatan is a little bit frustrated at some of the level of performance of his teammates and, and just the general... MLS goofiness, whether it's officiating or VAR or road trips. I think he's beginning to wonder what he got himself into. And so I, I think the caller's right. I think he is very frustrated. I think he'll adjust. He seems to be uh, in a good mood when you talk to him, but he doesn't seem to be so much in a good mood when he's on the field and something goofy happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is sort of the, uh, that's sort of the, the rub on him right now is whether or not he can adjust and adapt and, and make understand. Listen, he's been frustrated because the Galaxy have sucked. I mean, that's not a horrible thing for somebody to be frustrated at. Uh, Allison Drini, for that reason, I don't necessarily even blame him for some of that stuff, is that, you know, I'm not upset at some of these guys for being frustrated with how the team has played because they've been, they've been crap. Um, so to, to see some of these upper-level players get that frustrated, my thing is, are they frustrated with each other? which is a, which is a bad sign in terms of overall locker room cohesiveness. Are they upset with the game plans that are being put out with the decisions that are being made? And is it more of a siggy Schmidt issue because teams can survive when they all hate the coach, Kevin. Um, we've seen that. Now usually that happens when they all hate the coach and the teams are winning. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily too worried about the locker room at this point. Um, I am worried about the confidence they have in the overall game plans that are being put forward. That That's something that still carries over into this because I don't think the Galaxy were cohesive. Um, I don't think they had a, a smart game plan or, or understood where each other were supposed to play in the first half. And uh, the second half, that changed. And that changed either because laton Ibrahimovic wasn't on the field. That changed because Siggy Schmidt went in on the second half and, and gave them clearer instructions of what they were supposed to do. Or the fact that they were down to 10 men, which I've always argued is one of the easiest things to do in terms of mentally um, to play down a man because you know you have to get 100% effort. You know you have to go everything together as a team and work together as a team. It simplifies the problem at hand whenever you are down a man in a lot of ways. So, I mean, those are sort of the things that I look at in terms of, you know, what, what's what's wrong with the team or what's happening with the team and whether or not the Galaxy made any sort of step forward even by losing a guy tonight.
1: Well, you go back to just you don't even have to go back that far to last year and you could see how jermaine jones and and uh, Yella Van Damme kind of blew that team up and blew it up in the locker room and really appeared to have no uh you know no interest in what the coach wanted them to do or right. how I wanted them to play and and that was a case where I think players are frustrated, but in the case of those two individuals, I thought they turned on each other and turned on their on their teammates um i haven't I'm not convinced that that's what's happening now I think salatan's been a little bit hard on some of his teammates but I think he that's because he wants them to be better I haven't felt that it's the same kind of mean-spirited uh um, attacking that that went on last year that opened the you know the the chasms in the locker room but at the same time I'm not hundred percent convinced that everyone runs on the field uh, with with Ziggy Smith's game plan and says, this is a hundred percent the best game plan I've ever seen. We're going to definitely win this game. I'm not sure that they're convinced that, um, you know, the leadership is all that great. And uh, that may be a little bit behind some of Alessandrini's frustration. Uh, right now I see Alessandrini being mad at being taken out and wanting to play. And it's almost along the lines of the selfishness of, of Ola Kamara. We can be, we're a better team when I'm on the field playing at my best position. Don't take me out of the game. But uh, when he doesn't shake hands with the coach, then you start to wonder about um, um, you. You made the decision, coach. I disagree with it, but you know you're the coach. I'm going to shake your hand as opposed to you're a stupid idiot. And once again, you took me out of the game, and, and I was going to win the game for us. So it, it's something to to watch. I think it's right on the edge right now. I I don't think it's a problem yet. It's certainly not anywhere close to last year, and I don't think. Slotan or, or Ashley Cole are going to let that happen. But it definitely is something to watch. And if the frustration continues and the losing continues, then it could become a bigger issue.
0: Yeah, the other reason that Romano Alessandrini has been so upset lately, all the frustration, is because he's probably getting no sleep, right? He's a new dad, Kevin. You know how sleep—if I don't get enough sleep, like, you can't even call me on the phone. I get very upset about all those things. So
1: Well, I actually asked him about that, and he said that the baby's sleeping through the night. So, um— Um, He at least uh, publicly did not use that as as an excuse, but it is a very good way to begin an interview with him, by the way, all you budding journalists out there. Uh, sometimes uh, Allison Drini gets a little wound up, and if you start the conversation by saying "How's the baby?", everything goes much better after that.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Tricks of the trade. There you go, uh, from uh, from Kevin Baxter. All right. Is there anything else that we want to get to before your chair falls apart, squeaks to death? Um, this is a new chair. Y- you should you should take it back. It's broken. There's something you over tightened something. You did say it squeaks. I can hear it. It's everybody hears it. They're all going to be like, oh, wow, Kevin's chair is really sweet. Why is Kevin moving so much during the podcast? Do you rock? Is that yeah, it? Yeah, I do.
1: I do. Or- and and this is just more evidence of why you need to make that panda a little more fluffy. The panda is too skinny. Yeah, that that panda in the t-shirt design that you sent me would not would not make a square uh, a, a chair squeak. Uh, if if you, you say need so. to have a heftier panda,
0: if you say so. If, uh, he's putting on his winter weight because you know pandas like the cold weather. That's what that's what you told me. Yeah, him, that's right? right.
1: Those those Swedish pandas Swedish, are something. Let yes. me tell you.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get to before we're done? We're done. We're out of here. See ya. All right, that sounds great. If you're looking short week, short yeah, week, very short week, we should say very, very short week. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, of course, you can always find him at Twitter uh, at kbaxter 11 and of course, latimes.com, where he does all of his soccer coverage. Uh, and uh, he's doing a lot of stuff there. You want to pay attention to definitely some uh, some good stuff coming your way with the Cali Clasico coming up against San Jose as well, so make sure you check that out. And of course, uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGESMAN, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to corner galaxy.com where you can get a Corner of the Galaxy scarf. You can read all of our articles, listen to all of our podcasts. Another show coming up on Thursday. We'll have basically less than 24 hours, or a little over 24, 25 hours, as we'll kick off Thursday's live show at 7 p.m. in the other Galaxy. We'll kick off against the San Jose Earthquakes at 8 p.m. at StubHub Center on Friday night, May 25th. That game is on Unamas. Alright, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. Enjoy the three points, and we will see you on Thursday.
2: You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.